0: This is Corey Willis with PVI, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. This is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Cass from Diesel Doctor of Tennessee, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast.
1: What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the number one Diesel truck podcast on iTunes. And on this episode, we're gonna be talking about Allison Transmissions. Specifically, if you have one that's going out or has failed, what are your options? Do you need to go with a crate transmission? What about rebuild kits? What sort of upgrades do you need in them to create you know either a, a really stout like daily driving towing setup or if you're going for more performance, what are upgrades you need to think about during that process? So we're gonna be chatting with Holton from Alligator Performance. He's gonna go through with us all the different options that are out there, all different companies that have products and, and kits and everything like that. And we're gonna look at which one could be best for your situation. So we know you guys are going to enjoy this podcast. We want to give a special shout-out to Diesel World Magazine with race season. You know, we're in the middle of the summer. They're out there covering a ton of different events, different uh, builds and races and things like that. Make sure you go to dieselworldmag.com, bookmark the page, or pick up an issue in a store and check out what's going on in diesel. All right, let's get to the podcast with Holden and talking to Allison Rebuild Options.
0: Holden,
2: welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I'm excited to have you on today and be able to chat with you about truck parts. Hey, thanks for having me, bud. We've uh, gotten some questions over the last couple weeks on Instagram and Facebook, and I think it's transmission time in a way. <laughs> people are towing their their boats and trailers and things like that, and they're you know, finding the weak points, whether it's on an older truck or or uh, even the newer ones. And I wanted to talk to you about Allison upgrades, and you can kind of go through some of the questions you get on a daily basis, and you know what what people who call an Alligator Performance are asking you guys. I they've got a 0-1 to you know, current Duramax.
0: Like you said, it is a season. You know, school's out for the summer. Everyone's heading off to the lakes, heading off in the mountains and whatnot, and several other states for camping and just having a good old time with the families. And like you said, everyone's, you know, I got this much power, and it's not getting to the ground. Or the infamous ones, you know, like here in the Northwest, hey, I was pulling a pass, and I'm in limp mode, and what do I need to do? And the biggest thing I always tell people is, you know, where are you at with it? What's your goals? Yeah. You know, anyone, even your builder, you know, whether you get a full crate transfer from us, BD, ATS, Suncoast, SDP, we always need to know, you know, what you're doing with the truck, what's your goals for it, you know, and and what you plan on using the truck for. You know, because no one wants, you know, anything ridiculous for something that they're daily driving or that they got in the family with. Now, would you say that when they're, the tra- now
2: often starting to have an issue, and let's just say like 2001 to 10s, would the two most common things that people are going to see is one, the temperatures are high, and then two, they're going to go into fail-safe or limp mode and they're going to be a, a gear ratio code or something like that where they definitely know, hey, I need a transmission, or can there be other things that, and maybe they don't need a transmission, it's just a um, you know, the cooler might need to be replaced or there's something blocking the airflow or something like that?
0: Very rarely do I see, you know, like the cooler the culprit of, of the problem. The, the biggest thing is, you know, again, power. For the 0105 guys, they kind of get the short end of the stick. Those original five-speed Allisons in a stock form, they don't like to hold excess of, you know, mid to high fours for too long, especially if you're beating on it or working it really, really, really hard. Uh, the six to ten guys can get away with a little bit just by doing a Transco Junior shift kit in it, and I've seen some people hold on borrowed time around five to five hundred ten horse.
2: Gotcha. So it's right kind of in that range where if you do, say, a lift pump upgrade and a you know a solid tune, you're probably going to be right at that breaking point on okay. either year range. It's just how hard you are on the truck and how much the pedal goes down to the floor.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, no one of ten guys, I mean, even lift pump, like you said, in, in a good built trans tune, you can typically max those out safely around 530 horse to the ground with 33s or, you know, to stock size tires. And any time you put bigger tires on the truck, you're just putting that much more strain on, on the truck or on the transmission itself. That's something we've been hearing
2: a lot lately, especially chatting with, like, Nitro Gear, is they've been talking about how important that is, and it's, it's a very interesting relationship how the tire size, the gearing, ultimately affects the transmission, and then we get to the point. Like we are now talking about,
0: you
2: know, how am I going to upgrade my transmission? How much is it going to cost? What kind of upgrades do I need to put into it?
0: No, absolutely. Um, Typically, from from what I've seen and all the calls I get from, you know, from coast to coast, people say, hey, my my local shop quoted me this much. You know, "Is, is that a good deal? And then I have to turn around and ask the question, what parts were you quoted? What kind of, you know, yeah. are they rebuilding it or are they building it? And to some, you know, there there's some shops out there all they know is stock. You know, so they'll they'll quote someone $4,800 for a rebuild just for stock stuff and like a stock rematch converter. And I tell sounds like, you know, you're located here. Hey, I got a buddy over here or I can get you a full crate transfer $700 more. That's going to hold the power. It's going to have a better warranty and you don't have to worry about hurting it ever again, you know. And if some those, really, some of those people just that's a good know, point. Don't dig far enough into it, you know. I guess some people they're not that great at research, and you know we're always happy to help people or at least guide them in the right direction, even if we can't get them the parts. I mean, we I've been doing that for I've been here almost nine years in August.
2: There's a really good point about that because I hear that from people all the time. Is they'll say, "Well, what's a fair price for?" Upgrading my five-speed Allison, this guy quoted me, you know, 3100 bucks or 3500 whatever the number is. It's like, well, what's in it? Is it a billet triple disc converter? What'd they do to the valve body? What kind of clutches are in it? Um, is there a deep hand with it? I mean, what, all those things kind of factor into it. And unfortunately, if, if, you know, someone's not familiar with transmissions and the upgrades that are out there and you're running, you know, a, a solid, you know, 450 500 maybe a little bit over, that brand-new stock rebuild still going to have the same issues as what the, the factory one had, oh, no, and it can turn into a couple rebuilds.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's kind of one of those, we always hear the, the same thing, you know, not just in the truck world, but any other type of industry or hobby that you're into, eight side-by-sides, you know, guns and whatnot. So it's always, just, you hear the same term, you know, buy once, cry once. Mm-hmm. You've got to pay to play. <laughs> I mean, that's, it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, if, if someone quotes a guy, you know, 3800 bucks for a stock rebuild, I would recommend that person, you know, save, save the extra pennies, you know, buy your time as much as you can and get an actual build so you don't have to do it again. No one hates fixing something, you know, twice if they could have done it the right way just for a little extra money.
2: Now, if someone, I, I think this comes up too is, your if if transmissions out, you know you need one. And there's a ton of rebuild kits out there for Allison's.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's
2: also a ton of crate transmissions. How do you direct someone on whether to buy a rebuild kit or whether to buy a crate transmission?
0: As you as you all know and everyone else knows, you know, shipping a crate trans to and from, you know, certain places that gets expensive. And for some people, you know, saving an extra six hundred bucks just in shipping alone. You know, that's that's gonna pay dividends for them to get a kit if they have a good, competent builder anywhere in their local area. I mean, I got guys on, on the East Coast as far as, you know, a good buddy of mine in Virginia, down to Florida. Uh, I knew of one in Oklahoma, but I don't think he's doing it anymore. I knew of one guy in, you know, the, the New England area. So I always try to, you know, push people towards my friends if I can help them out, get them what they need to get into and still save money without having to do it a second time. And you do have your, you know, the, the other type of people that, you know, they want the best warranty that, you know, possible. They want something that's strictly plug-and-play because, you know, they have a shop or they have a lift or their buddy has a lift and they can do it after hours, and they just need to get it in and out and done. And the downside is most crate trans take anywhere between one to three weeks, and that's before it ships. So now you're you're down yeah. about a month before you get that, or I can get you a a rebuild kit, a good rebuild kit, either one of our private label ones from Suncoast, one of the kits from, you know, ATS or BD even, and get it shipped out the door, you know, that day if not the next day.
2: And it seems like the rebuild kits, too, they've been around for such a long time, and it's such a popular thing in the Allison world is they're prepackaged with basically the upgrades that are in a crate transmission. It's just obviously not assembled, but... You're typically getting a, a converter, you're getting the clutches, gaskets, seals, valve body kit, all those sorts of things, so it's, it's all in there.
0: Yeah, and, and there's a lot of those guys that are, that are like me that are do-it-yourselfers. I mean, I, I built my first Allison back in 2012, back when the top of the line everything was, you know, like a Suncoast 1056 or 1058 Red Eagle Alto clutches and, and choline steels. and that was top of the game or top of the line back then. You know, now you got the guys from BD, Suncoast, all those guys, and they're as technology evolves. You know, so does everything else. Like, oh, what was it? I think it's called like the G3 clutches that's out there now. Yeah, uh, people are putting the LML uh, return springs and apply pistons in there because they come off quicker, and which which is actually beneficial for the for the Allison. And I saw that. Back in 2013, Mike sent me a kit to experiment with my truck, and it, it worked great. So just seeing how everything's evolved over time, I mean, these, these transmissions are holding pretty damn good power all the way up to you know, the average guy that's looking for a 6, 650 horse, and you don't need to build parts up, up until then either, which is beneficial because the Dodge guys get it worse. The second you, throw it, <laughs> the second you put a triple disc in there, you need to build input. On Allison, <laughs> yeah. that's, that stock input will hold about 900 horse. Every now and then I'll, I'll see a freak of nature fluke where a guy, you know, they say they're driving down the road, we don't ever know what they're doing, but, you know, hey, my converter locked, It didn't want to come unlocked, next thing I know I felt a really bad vibration, then all of a sudden I had nothing. I only had park. And he said he pulled his converter out, stock converter, and out popped the input shaft. I'm like, huh, never seen that before. But, you know, I I beat the hell out of mine when I still have my LBZ, a little over 700 horse, on the stock input, and never once heard it. I would
2: definitely probably be the crate transmission guy because if I tried to rebuild my transmission, I'd definitely have some extra parts, and I guarantee I would not have all <laughs> forward gears I've, when I
0: did it. <laughs> I've actually been there before, back when I was still doing them, before Chris took over for me. Uh guy had guy brings me a crate transmission. and says, so, hey, I built it with your kit, and I have these parts. I don't know what I did, and I look at him. he's got like a spring return plate, two snap rings, a check ball, and I'm like, okay, put put it on that table, and I'll tear into it after work, because now i got to go through the whole thing, figure out what it was, and luckily, it was just when the check ball fell out of the Transco Junior, he went too far into the C2 hub and pulled out a snap ring that he shouldn't, and the return plate was off the C5 clutches. So luckily it wasn't anything catastrophic or, you know, he didn't put it back in. It was just one of those I, I saw it. I was like, okay, luckily this was easy. He, and he did everything else correctly because uh, he was actually talking to someone, one of his buddies uh, that actually built them, and he told him what to do over the phone and whatnot. And some people can do it that way. That's how I learned. You know, I, I was luckily lucky, lucky enough to have people like, cam and mike to help teach me the ways back then to where i could learn all that stuff and that's where i picked a lot up on it you know and trying to stay up on it as technology evolves better clutches and everything sure. are coming coming out almost every year
2: yeah it seems like even though the trucks you know they, they haven't been built in a while it, it doesn't mean the aftermarket stops and there's so so many new materials for clutch packs and different things that are done and and there was a question that had come in and and I think the guy's definitely done research he's read a lot I listened to podcasts and he hasn't done anything with the motor yet I think it was uh, I think it's an LBZ but what what his question was was okay if I'm shooting for six to seven hundred horsepower what would need to change if say I go to 750 800 you know 900 horsepower as far as hard parts so when someone calls in and asks you a question what do you tell them is a good setup as far as hard parts, whether it's crate transmission or rebuild kit for, you know, six, 700 versus now we're going eight, 900 horsepower or higher?
0: Before anyone goes into like the 800 plus mark, which is usually the the range for a built motor. So let's just say we're talking to the average guy that has a set of compounds, you know, about 700 horse towing with his truck. About the only real thing that I've seen people that need for a hard part is a billet C2 hub. Gotcha. I mean, like I said, the the shafts are fine. It's about 900 horse. And that's typically when... Some people need them, but even then, I've seen some people just depending on how the rest of the trans is set up and how hard the converter locks. Even then, the stock ones can can still last quite a while.
2: It just depends you know, on what the what, you're,
0: what you're doing with it.
2: Well, and also too, like at the point of billet shafts, would you just be doing like the input and the output? And I know there, I think there's an interme- a build intermediate out there, but I'm not sure. You know when that would, see would be needed for a build, but. You know, most things on the street, maybe tops billet input output, and the P2 Planet and Hub at something like a thousand or seven hundred horsepower or something like that.
0: I'd say tops probably billet input. You know, if, if I've seen people replace the the output with the trans still in there, I don't recommend doing it because it's a pain to get the uh, tail housing back on with the trans still in the truck. But I've seen people do it. Like I said, uh, the only downside. Is whenever billet comes apart, like a billet shaft comes apart, it doesn't shear, it shatters. So, like if you have a stock intermediate, it, it, nine times out of ten it'll just ring off, twist and cut clean, and then you don't have to worry about trying to find all the metal shards and then wrecking a case or wrecking another planet or anything like that. Like when a billet shaft comes apart, she explodes, and then you got, and then you're, then you are best off like, hey, I just need to create transit bill for this. I just need it I just need it done. I'm not doing this again. <laughs>
2: I was just thinking of this question for you, which I, I found that a lot of the a lot of Duramax guys ask this, and that's, okay, if I do rebuild kit, create transmission, how is the shift gonna feel? Is it hard, is it firm, does it feel like stock? What should a built transmission feel like on analysis? Now, I know it's a little different, in the Dodge world, they definitely behave different, and it's like each group of owners has a different expectation of what, you know, the one, two, two, three, three, four, shifts are going to feel like but in your opinion what would you tell someone to expect when they you know buy a, a rebuild kit or they're buying a you know four or five thousand six thousand dollar crate
0: transmission from you? usually what i tell people it comes down to the builder and how everything else is set up like i'll, I'll use my truck for an example when when i built mine even with an experimental kit from suncoast a long time ago a long time ago uh the way i had everything set up you could only, I could only see my RPM drop and hear the shift, but I never felt it. The only time mine acted naughty was when it was extremely cold out, You because know, we're, in, we're in North Idaho, and it would be extremely cold out if I'm teasing the throttle, just cruising like 10 or 15 miles an hour, it would hang in first, and then it would kind of be aggressive in second, but out of that it was perfectly fine. But that was only cold. Normally what I tell people, you know, if, if it's shifting really rough, you need to take it back to the builder immediately. Like, I I wouldn't recommend driving it anymore. They either need to go through, check out the taps, or if not, tear back into it and check all their clearances. Because if if she's banging, like, really hard, you got something going on. It shouldn't be doing that. I mean, I've I've seen dozens of build allisons that shift just like stock, if not smoother than stock. It it truly comes down to the builder, in my opinion.
2: After you get this transmission, and they're all going to run, or the we, we want to make sure that you know we spend four five, six thousand dollars, and we can see the temperature, the transmission temperature.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: How do you, are you recommending an aftermarket cooler or a secondary cooler on one of these setups to to keep the temperatures under control? Is heat still an issue on a you know a, a quality rebuild kit, rebuild transmission, or a crate transmission?
0: Typically what I I tell people is Allison operation temps, and this is what I was told a long long time ago, was 100 degrees above ambient. So if you're seeing like 2, 210, and it's about 100, 105 degrees, you're fine. Like I said, if you're putting around town or you're in like bumper-to-bumper traffic and she's getting up there around like 210, 220, you you need to pull over and let her cool down. Uh, You know, Deep pans work to an extent, uh, about the best stock OE replacements, uh, trans-cooler that I've seen that work real well are the ones from PPE. Uh, they're a direct bolt-in. you in know, they, They're they significantly larger than stock and they flow a lot better than stock. Uh, the Allison guys, we don't have a lot of room up front between the grill and, you know, and the radiator and everything or the intercooler. Mm-hmm. So we can't really run dual-stack trans-coolers to an extent without getting really custom with it, and that's talking lines, bracketry, and everything. So we have to do like a lot of the Dodge guys do in put one either in the bed or, you know, especially if you have auxiliary fans on it, like, in the bed, and then you got a, a whole lot of plumbing and everything to do. And most people don't want to do that, and I get it. And that's why I always go to an aftermarket trans cooler first.
2: Right, well, I guess it would depend on the build as well and how aggressive, you know, say, the the whole setup is and, and, and the use of it is to, you know, if you're at the track and you're hot lapping it or something or stop and go in Las Vegas and it's hot, you know, it's going to run run warmer, but it always seems like the questions we get are, okay, I'm ready for a built transmission, but what do I do with the cooler? Um, do I even need one? What temperature should I see in it? It's probably one of the most common questions, I think, regardless of GM Ford, or RAM that, that are out there. So it's, it's good to know that there's options if someone wants to, you know, say go with a PPE cooler or, you know, an auxiliary one or something, depending on the use of the truck.
0: Yeah, no, and like I said, it, it is that time of year. I mean, we, uh, fortunately, we haven't really seen too many days in the 90s up here, but you got the guys, like you said, in Vegas, you know, SoCal, Texas. Those guys, you know, they always get beat on during the summer, and they they need it more so than most people. Like I said, if, if that converter isn't locked and it isn't, you know, coupling and moving fluid the way it should, she's going to get warm pretty quick. Like I said, that's... That's where the temps tend to creep up a whole lot more and a whole lot quicker. Like I said, I could be around here in the summer when I still have my truck, and up and down the road, she, she'd get pretty warm, but i jump on the freeway for about 20 minutes, and my temps drop significantly by about 10 to 15 degrees. Like I said, you you got to get that converter locked. you got to get that fluid moving in order to get it cooled down. That's when I say bumper-to-buffer traffic or slow-moving and the converter's not locked. That's when temps are going to really creep up on you real quick.
2: Now, as far as on the LMLs, does much change with the hard parts that are needed or even the power levels where you need to go? And maybe with some, some hard part upgraders, it's still pretty much like, you know, the, the 5 speeds, the uh, LBZs, LMMs, where you're about, you know, 6, 650, 700, and then higher up is where we're going to... Bill of shafts and, and other upgrades.
0: About, you're about the same breaking point for the shafts. The LML guys got a little bit better than the O110 guys. I've seen some people hold it to about 530 on a stock trans with either uh, an EPC fuller, um, BD's line pressure box that they have, or a uh, trans tuning that really helps out because the LMLs, they tend to kick down in pressure in between shifts and on and on, on you know, off and on, off and on, off and on significantly over time can can wear on it. You know, Deviant came out with the EPC fooler, which gets rid of the, uh, the solenoid in the valve body that kicks that, or the that kicks down. BD has their pressure box that also works really well. And if you have EFI Live or uh, Easy Link Tuning, you can also do the same thing within trans tuning, and it helps significantly as far as the line pressure issues are concerned. But still, the breaking oh, cool. points for those are around 530, 540, from what I've seen, real real-world. Scenarios.
2: It is nice how there's so much technology and experience and options out there for Allison transmission upgrades, and it's that they're really stout transmissions. You know, in stock form, they're probably the best.
0: Or oh, they're you know, it, it, they're phenomenal.
2: Yeah, and and it's it's like the technology is there, and 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 you know, guys like yourself and, and then in the aftermarket with all the different options, you're not stuck, you know, and, and you can build it as, you know, as crazy as you need to and depending on, you know, what's done to the engine or there's affordable options that are that are out there. And I know we're going to have some Duramax fans out there listening to this podcast that they're going to have specific questions for their build. If they want to talk to you or they want to talk to the guys there and ask questions, what's the best way for them to reach out um, whether it's calling or messaging or email or social media to get so in contact with you guys and, and customize
0: it. I mean, they're, they're more welcome to email in. You know, the, the phones are on whenever we're here. Like I said, we got five guys that are all pretty sharp all in the same room. So if if you're talking to one guy and he doesn't have the answer but the next guy, you know, does, we just stick our head around the corner and or just message each other and get the answer real quick that way. Like I said, we, we all have our fortes, but we all know enough to be really dangerous. I mean, we did change our <laughs> live chat option up to where it doesn't go through like a dedicated live chat server anymore. It actually directs you to our Facebook, and we have okay. five guys that monitor that, you know, the whole time while we're here. You know, Monday through Friday, seven seven to five Pacific time, and you know, if one guy picks it up and it's a question he's not familiar with, he'll pass it on to one of us or tell one of tell one of the guys to jump on there and we'll pick it up. Like I said, cool. I mean, yeah. if, if you get a hold of us, you're you're in good hands, and we'll get you taken care of the best we can.
2: Well, it's uh, it, it's something with with these kind of builds. that each truck's personal and used differently. And you know, even though there are kits out there and there's stages of transmissions that are really common and, and fit, you know, most uses. It, it's really helpful to be able to reach out to a place, talk to someone who knows the information. But then also, like yourself, like you've had one, you've built one, you know, you you know how they should feel and shift and behave and and the questions you're gonna ask is an enthusiast who drives one of those trucks. So it's always cool when we, you know, talk about what do I need for the build and these these questions we get from listeners is be able to direct them towards someone who can who can help them. And, you know, you can look up and say, hey, this kit's in stock or this transmission is going to be a week or week and a half. So this is exactly what it's going to be and be able to, to get them what they need to be happy with the truck for however they're going to use it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And one, one thing I, I do have a common question on is what stall converter do I need? That's probably the biggest one I always get asked. And I always ask people, you know, what are you doing with the truck? What's its purpose? And what's your turbo setup? About 90% of the time, the average guy just needs like a 1,800 to 2,000 stall converter. You know, unless you're running like a really big turbo setup or you're drag racing or pulling it, then that's when you need like the, the 28 to, to 3 to 3,200 RPM stall you know your your average guy with a stock turbo 18 more than, more than fine especially if you're toying with it uh, for the guy that likes to have a like a modified or single turbo they're still fine with the 1800 stall from what i've seen and like my setup with the S475 over stock on a stock motor 18 to 2000 was more than adequate i played around with the Suncoast 1050 1058 and it was phenomenal for drag racing I wish it could have been a little tighter, or I wish I went with something a little tighter uh, for just daily driving and cruising around the freeway, because I want to say that was like a 2 to 2200 stall. And But it was great for drag racing. It it always comes down to ultimately what you're doing with your truck and your turbo setup, and that's always going to dictate stall, in my opinion.
2: And I think that's where you know, people reach out to you or listen to this podcast. They're going to have questions on that, because they you know they might be running you know, a, a modified drop-in VGT charger, maybe compounds, maybe a bigger single, and that's where all the options that are there in the uh, the converter world and, and in the kits or crate transmissions, you know, can be customized and they get what they need and and uh, have that response or help spool, you know, a bigger charger, maybe based on the converter stall.
0: Absolutely. I mean, because if you can't get the RPM up without the converter coupling and get on top of the turbo, she's just going to be a dog, and that's never fun.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it was it was cool to to chat with you you know about these these questions that that we've got and there's so much information and I'm sure we could do a ton more podcasts about you know what what clutch material should we use what what kind of you know what are the clearances and all those sorts of things but um, I know this is definitely going to help out the the people who asked us and. And uh, the Duramax fans that we have listening that are right in this position, they need you know, transmission, don't know which way to go, what it's going to cost, well, what parts they need, and, and uh, you're able to, to shed some light on it.
0: Yeah, no, and I always tell people, you know, don't don't be afraid to ask a question. I mean, there's no such thing as a dumb question except for an unasked question.
2: That is very true.
0: <laughs>
2: awesome, well, thanks again, man. We appreciate you taking time out of your day to chat with us and get these questions answered.
0: Yeah, no problem, bud.
1: Don't forget, diesel fans, if you have any questions about what we talked about on this podcast, make sure and hit up Alligator Performance. Just go to alligatorperformance.com. You can message in, call, or find them on social media. They're on Instagram, Facebook. More than happy to answer any questions you guys might have about building your Allison. And also don't forget to check out an issue of Diesel World Mag or go to dieselworldmag.com, bookmark the page, and see what's going on at events, product reviews, builds, tons of different things. Till next time, keep the shiny side up.